Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Sing Nian Kwai Le. Maybe you can turn to your neighbor and wish them a Sing Nian Kwai Le. Happy New Year. Amen. Sorry, forgot to take out my mask. Amen. Isn't it good to be able to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. So today we'll be continuing on this theme. I think the past few weeks we have been on this whole theme about change, right? Um, and we started off the year. Uh, I still remember very clearly that in order for change to take place, there needs to first be what repentance. Am I right? And and then we learn that tr- the only way true repentance can begin is when it begins in our hearts. And it is in our hearts where true transformation takes place. Okay, I don't know about you. Uh, I started off the year, you know, maybe some of you have some like New Year's resolution or certain goals that you have uh, put in place that you wanted to do. Like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible every day, you know, and I'm going to pray more this year. I'm going to spend more time with God this year. I'm going to exercise more this year. You know, and it's already the second month of the new year. I don't know how many of all have kind of like uh, broken some of these uh, resolutions. You know, um, for myself, you know, it wasn't uh, completely perfect. You know, uh, uh, during the CNY period, a bit slack. Uh, I never really follow through, you know, uh, on certain things. But I'm thankful for us in Singapore, we have two new years that we celebrate. Amen. We have the happy new year, then we have the Sing Nian Kuai Right? So, once again, I want to encourage everyone, it's never too late to start something. It's never too late for God to do a change in your heart. Amen. So today, I would like to do a quick recap, you know, before we pray. Uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 29 to 30, Jesus answered him and said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I repeat again, with all your heart. Everyone can repeat with me, say, all your heart. heart. Right, okay. And so this is the first commandment. The greatest commandment is that we love the Lord with all our hearts. Can anyone remember the lesson about what our heart consists of? It consists of how many things? Three different things. Okay, our heart consists of the mind. It consists of the emotions and it consists of our will. Okay, and so I think many of us are familiar with the story of Lot's wife. Okay, Lot's wife, Lot and his family, they were told to, to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. They were told to leave that place before judgment would come upon those twin cities. And the angel of the Lord told them, when you leave Sodom, don't look back. Okay, and so what happened was Lot's wife, when she was on the way out of Sodom, she decided, hey, let me take one last look at Sodom. And as she turned, she turned into a pillar of salt. You see, even though she left Sodom physically, her heart was still there. And for many of us here today, you know, I, I don't know where we are at. I don't know where you are at. You know, you may be here today in, in the house of the Lord. But the question is, where is our heart this morning? Is it here in the presence of God or is our heart still in our steamboat? Whether it's still maybe in our bed, we are sleeping because wow, the Chinese New Year visitation is so tiring. All the restriction is so tiring to, to kind of work it all out. 
you know, and maybe our hearts are still in bed. But I want to encourage everyone this morning that let our hearts be here today in the presence of God. Everyone say amen. 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 So we're going to pray and ask God to touch our hearts this morning. We're going to ask God to prepare our hearts for what He wants to speak to us. Because ultimately, like what Brother Elvin said, if, if the Word of God comes into our hearts and we just hear it but we don't do anything about it, then it's wasted. But we want to mix it with faith. So why? So that it can profit us. See, in Chinese New Year, we all, you know, we give ang pao's, you know, and maybe some of you already started opening and counting. It's like, wow, how much profit did I make this year? You know, maybe for those married ones, you all give also, right? Then your children also get. Then you're like, wow, break even. Uh, praise the Lord. But we want to pray that we want to leave this place that we have profited from this service. God doesn't want us to come here in vain just to waste our time, right? But when we come here, that the Word of God will not return void. So with all hands lifted once again, why don't we pray? Why don't you put your hands upon your hearts this morning and let's ask God to prepare us. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for your presence here today. Lord, we are so grateful, God, that we are able to worship you with such a liberty, God. That, Lord, we don't have to, to hide, God. That we can still, oh God, worship the way we worship, God. That we can still worship, God, with our brothers and sisters here in this place. And, Father, I just pray that, Lord, that you will begin, oh God, to prepare our hearts. That you begin to touch our hearts this morning, God. Lord, let my heart be that good ground, God. That when the Word of God, when the seed, Lord, is being sown in my heart today, God. Lord, that you will not fall upon the wayside, God. Lord, let it not fall upon a stony ground today, Lord. But, Lord, that you will break up every fellow ground this morning, God. Break up every stony heart this morning, God. Lord, if there be thorns, God, I pray that you will help me, God, recognize what needs to be removed today, God. The cares of life, God. The deceitfulness of riches, God. That you'll begin to remove those things, God, so that my heart can be good ground, God. So that when your word comes upon my heart, God, Lord, that it can take root, God, and that it will bear fruit in my life, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. And so, just a quick recap. Okay, true change begins where? With the heart. And the heart is the core of our being. Our heart is like our interpretation kit. Okay, if our interpretation kit is faulty, whatever comes into it, we misinterpret. Our, it's likened to our spectacles when it's you know, uh, blurry, when it's smudged. When you start to look at something, eh, who is that? Is that Kieran sitting in front? Oh, no, 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 it's Elvin. You know, some people mistaken them as the same person. But we've got to have our vision cleared up. Our, our lenses clear of any smudges. And likewise with our hearts. We do not want our hearts to be tainted. And many times we are told to change, right? We begin this year, we say, I want to change, God. I want to change to be better. I want to be more like you. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to uh, be more uh, spiritual this year. But change doesn't just take place where we change our actions, right? And our behaviour. But if our hearts do not change, eventually, those behaviours will, will, will suddenly, eh, how come we stop doing those things? But in order for there to be lasting change, it begins when our hearts are changed. And that's why God says in the book of Joel, turn to me with all your heart. David, in his prayer of repentance in the book of Psalms 51, he says, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So let us ask ourselves this question this morning. How is your heart? Is your heart present with God? Fully present here? Or is our heart 
half-hearted. I think many times we go to work, or you know, maybe you, you meet people, whether it's in your home or in your office, and you know when they do things, they are a bit boycam one. Like sometimes when my wife asks me to do chores, I'm a bit boycam one. Do, 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 anyhow, faster do. Means what? I'm half-hearted. My whole heart is not in it. And as a result, eh, they can tell, eh, why, why the thing never clean properly? And I believe most of us don't really like to work with people that are half-hearted because end up you have to pick up the load. And the same thing with God. In our walk with God, are we here half-hearted or are we fully here? Have we turned all of our heart to Him this morning? You see, another thing with our hearts is that when our heart is hurt, when our heart is in pain, when someone hurts us, the natural thing for us as humans to do is what? Protect. We want to set up defense. Why? Because we don't like to be hurt. No one here likes to say, hey, come and hurt me. Hey, come and scold me. Come and lash out at me with nasty words. No, none of us want that. Why? Because we will get hurt. No one likes to be hurt. And so in order to prevent ourselves or prevent our hearts from getting hurt, you know, or sometimes, you know, we have had failed relationships or breakups and you're like, oh, I'll never trust anyone again. And we, what we do, we set up walls. We set up the Great Wall of China to prevent ourselves from being hurt. In Proverbs 18, verse 19, it says, An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like a barred gates of a citadel. The scripture is saying that a brother that's offended, right, is more fortified than Great Wall of China. As someone that is offended is more protected, more guarded than any of the best defense systems in the world. Why? Because an offended heart wants to protect itself, and that naturally so. And these walls are used to protect us, but yet at the same time, right, it also prevents us from establishing bridges. It also prevents us from connecting with people, whether it's with people around us or with God. And sometimes you wonder, why I cannot feel God? Could it be our hearts have walls that we have built up, and as a result, we have a hard time trusting in Matthew 13, verse 14 to 15, it reads, This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say to you, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their ears. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me, hear, and let me heal them. You see, Jesus is saying that when our hearts are hardened, regardless of what He wants to do, regardless of the presence of God that is so evident, regardless of the Word of God that is so clear, when an individual, when my heart is hardened, I will not be able to see what God is doing. I will not be able to hear what God is trying to say to me. I will not even be able to see that, hey, God sent someone to touch me. God sent someone to care for me. Why? Because when our hearts are hardened, we cannot understand. We cannot see what God is doing in our lives. We can't even turn to Him and He cannot even force us. And so it is so important that for true change to take place, for true repentance to take place, for true transformation to take place in our hearts, we have to allow our hearts to be softened. See, the issue with hardened hearts is that it is immovable. And there are some signs, just a quick recap, an inability to trust, bitter and unforgiving, easily offended, unsympathetic, judgmental, indifferent, numb. Sometimes we like to numb ourselves and we say, mm, I don't like to feel because 
you know, we have been taught, don't walk by our feelings, walk by faith. Okay, there's a difference there, okay? There's one thing to numb yourself from how you feel and there's another thing to walk by faith. Why? Because God has given us emotions. He's never asked us to shut off, to numb. He says that whatever emotions you may be feeling is like just a gauge on our dashboard. When we feel pain, Jesus never asked you to numb it. He said, bring it to me because He understands all of our emotions. And then another sign is that we are defensive. Also, we struggle to understand the things of God. And last week, Pastor talked about, you know, this whole thing about the spirit of suspicion. See, when our hearts are, are hardened, we tend to operate not in discernment. We tend to operate in a spirit of suspicion. And last week, Pastor talked about how that there are certain benefits of being suspicious that we like. It makes us feel safe. It allows me to avoid my own stuff. It makes me feel powerful, like I can be in charge, I'm in control. It's like, ooh, wow, I'm a, this prophet, I know how to discern but actually, we are just suspicious. See, but those things come at a cost. When we operate in suspicion, there is a cost to it. You see, suspicion is one of the enemy's greatest weapons against relationships. Whether your relationship with people or whether with God. When we begin to suspect people in our lives or suspect God, means what? Eh, we start to reserve. We start to hold back something that we say that, eh, you know what? I cannot really trust God about this part of my life because I don't think he can take care of that. And as a result, relationships are strained. As a result, intimacy is hindered. And you see, the cost of suspicion is high. And what are these costs? Isolation, self-righteousness, and lastly, self-deception. See, one of the reasons why we end up operating in a spirit of suspicion or in mistrust is because our perception has been altered, has been tainted. And pain, Pastor said it many, many times, he said pain has a way to alter our perception and our perspective. And so, in order for us to know how to properly handle all these things about the heart, about disappointments, about pain, you know, these things are going to come. What do we do? We turn to what uh, uh, David did in Psalms 139, verse 23 to 24. He says, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, David knew that he was someone that experienced pain and disappointment in his life. And he knew not to numb. He knew not to put up a wall. But regardless of where he was, one thing about David, he was always a man after God's own heart. And why? Because he was constantly seeking, God, help me, search my heart. And let that be our prayer today, that Lord, search me. And the word in there says, if there is any wicked way in me. And Brother Sam shared this with me, which is really cool. He said that the word wicked comes from a Greek word that means idols, that means wounds. And that's so interesting because unhealed wounds eventually become our idols because it will begin to take the place of God. Why? Because suddenly these wounds, these past pain exp experiences will begin to elevate itself higher than the knowledge of God. And we start to operate in those past hurts more than we trust in God. And as a result, it becomes what? It becomes our idol. And so don't let our wounds, don't let your wounds become your idols today. Our wounds have a way of causing us to process every situation in life. 
our wounds cloud our perception. Rather than believing what God says it to be, we see it through our hurts. And what these wounds eventually develop are what we learn about strongholds. Strongholds are developed. We begin to make inner vows. I will never trust so-and-so again. I will never trust any man again. I will never trust any woman again. I will never trust God again. I will never trust the man of God again. We form arguments to support our way of thinking. We start to justify it. And sometimes we're very smart. We start to use the Word of God to justify some of these arguments. And we're going to talk a bit more about that later. And these arguments are enforced by worldly influences. But we recognize that when we are dealing with these things, we cannot use our own intellect. We have to use the ways of God. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. Everyone repeat with me. Bringing every thought into captivity. See, that's what we got to do. When a thought comes, don't just accept it as, oh, this is the right thought. This is the thought that I have. Because sometimes the thoughts that we have is not ours. It sounds like us, but actually the, the enemy, the devil puts it in our head. Hey, wow, you know, so and so, why they look at you like that? Don't accept every thought so freely. Take captive of it. Test it against the Word of God. You know, pastor talked about teaching us how to discern. You know, we have to discern different things. And one of the things we have to learn to discern is our hearts. And sometimes our hearts are so deceitful. The Bible says that our hearts are the, is the most deceitful things above all things. And we have to learn to test our hearts. We have to learn to discern, eh, is this God or is this not? Is this God or is it me? And so what is a stronghold? It's a thought or a lie that enters the mind from a hurt, worldly, fleshly or satanic influence. It is a choice made by the will to accept or are we going to reject it? And as a result, a habit is formed when continual choices are made to act out or accept the thought. A stronghold is developed when a habit becomes a deeply rooted controlling behaviour. It's like an infection. I shared with you a few weeks ago how about uh, Micah had this fungal infection. And it was on for, for many months. And when we went to the PD and said, oh wow, that's bad. We've got to do something to kill the root of it. And I thank God it's going down. And I remember an interesting thing the doctor said, even after you see the, 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 the rash gone, right, you have to still keep applying because the roots are still inside. And sometimes that's what we do, you know. We think that, oh, eh, suddenly, eh, I, I, I feel good eh, today. Wow, I feel like I'm not anyhow I'm not anyhow thinking. Oh, my mood is good. Then we suddenly go back to relax mode. We slack. And then, hey, how come you come back again? Because it's an infection. It's deep-rooted. Sometimes when we think that, hey, everything is good, that's when we continue to apply. We continue to apply it. Why? So we want to kill the root that is deep inside. And we talk about strongholds, right? You see both God and Satan. Both of these individuals want to establish strongholds in our lives. Why? Because there are good strongholds and there are bad strongholds. And today we'll be embarking on a series called The Fivefold Agenda of God and Satan. We'll be exploring five things, the five agendas that both God and the enemy wants out of us. And here's the thing, they both want the same thing. I mean, that's surprising. They both want the same thing. Eh? They both want us to be like them. 
So the question is, who are we going to look like? Who are we going to uh, desire for our lives to look like in this new year? And that depends on who has their kingdom established in you and me. Strongholds are ultimately going to build a kingdom. See, the, when Jesus was on earth, he wasn't interested in just establishing a physical kingdom, but he wanted to establish a, a, a kingdom in our hearts, a spiritual kingdom. And that's how by setting up strongholds, good strongholds in our lives. And so when God has given us a new heart, you know, we've been talking in the past few weeks about dealing with our heart, clearing our heart out of, of suspicion, clearing our heart of, of, of bitterness, of offences, of letting God, those things go. And so when God has given us a clean heart, then what? means we've got to do something, we've got to protect it. In Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In Titus 1, 15 to 16, pastor was preaching out of this uh, scripture. He says, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable disobedient and disqualified for every good work. You see, that is why it's so important for us to keep our hearts, to guard our hearts, to keep it pure. Because the moment it doesn't stay pure, it is defiled. And whatever comes our way is misinterpreted. We suddenly start to suspect again. We start to be, eh, God, you sure you love me or not? And because of that, after God gives you and I a clean heart, for there to be lasting change, for there to be transformation that is rooted. We want good roots. You, will need, you and I will need to do what? Renew our minds. And that brings us to the first agenda that both God and Satan wants for us. They both want us to think like them. Okay? I want you to turn to your neighbour and say, both God and Satan wants us to think like them. It begins all in our thoughts, our thought life, in our mind. And there's this quote that's really good. It says, The battleground for the heart of man is in the mind. Okay, the battleground for the heart of man is in the mind. The battle takes place first, not in the flesh, but in our minds. Therefore, we read in Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Here Paul is writing to the church. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, our hearts are made out of three things, the mind, the emotions, and the will. The devil wants to get to our will. Why? They, he wants us to choose to disobey God. And the only way of entry to our will, okay, just like when you learn about COVID-19, right? We went for a course. The only point of entry, right? They call it POE, right? point of entry for the virus to come in is uh, with your airway, like your nose, your eyes, all this, right? For the virus to come in. And the same way the devil works like that, he finds a point of entry. And how? Through our mind. That's where the battle begins. And so what is renewing our mind? Renewing our mind is simply just 
retuning of our frequency. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know if much of you have listened to radio still. Sometimes when your radio, you never tune the 90.5 properly, right? Then, eh, wow, you cannot really hear, like can hear a bit, cannot hear. Or sometimes we hear, eh, why is this like Malaysia channel? And what do we do? We just need to retune, right? Eh, wow, suddenly can hear clearly. Or sometimes we are in the car park and right? cannot hear anything. When you get to the right place, we've got to position ourselves in an open space. Eh, suddenly can hear. Or for those musicians that are here, when you play your guitar, then you play zang, eh, wow, sounds so bad. Then what do you do? You have to retune your strings. Why? So it sounds right. Okay, and that is what renewing of our minds is. It's just recalibrating, retuning, so that we can begin to hear clearly what God is saying. So there's this story in World War II that is really interesting that talks about this whole idea of renewing of our minds, of getting our minds transformed. The invasion of the northern France in 1944 was the most significant victory of the Western Allies in the Second World War. American, British and Canadian forces established a foothold on the shores of Normandy. Everyone that knows history, you know the Battle of Normandy was a turning point for the Allies. And after a protracted and costly campaign to reinforce their gains, broke out into the French interior and began a headlong advance. This is known as D-Day. The objective was simple. Establish a firm foothold ashore. Establish a strong beachfront. The winner of the war was determined by one battle, to establish a stronghold on the beachfront. In the same manner, God and Satan are at war. At war, okay? And the war of influence of who is influencing you. Is it God who is influencing you or is it the enemy that's influencing you? Is won first at our thoughts. Both of them want to set up a stronghold at the beachfront. Nothing happens in our life unless it is a thought first. It usually begins with a thought. There are good strongholds, there are bad ones. And Jesus came to set up good ones. He came to transform our minds renew our minds, to clear our mind of all the, the bad strongholds that Satan has set up. Whoever has a stronghold in your life, whoever has a stronghold in your mind, will win the war for your soul. How many of you here want God to win the war in your mind? Amen. And so who is influencing us today? And so as we're going to embark on this series of the fivefold agenda, Today we begin about the mind. We begin about how both of God and Satan wants us to think like Him. But we're going to see in the next following weeks further things that also both God and Satan wants. And so, since God and Satan both want us to think like them, what do we do then? We're starting to hear, it's like, wow, God, so many voices in our heads. I think many of us knows what that feels like, know what that experience is. Oh, oh, I'm dealing with a lot of negativity. I'm dealing with a lot of uh, uh, thoughts that I don't like. Why? Because there's a battle. There's a war that's taking place in your mind. And so what do we do? It begins with in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Uh, Paul writes to the church and he gives them a very simple instruction. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he told the church, in order for you to win this battle in the mind, you've got to put on what? 
the mind of Christ, to have this mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, For who has known the mind of God? That he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. God's word tells us that we can have access to the mind of God. In order for God to win the war in our minds, in order for us to think like God and not like Satan, we have to put on the mind of Christ. But at the same time, the devil is trying to influence us with his way of thinking. And how does the enemy do that? Let's read in James chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Everyone say double-minded man. See, when we are double-minded, we will not be able to receive anything from God. Right? And that's all the devil needs to do. He don't need to completely possess your thoughts. He just needs you to be double-minded and he has succeeded. So what does it mean to be double-minded? Double-minded is someone who has two minds. In the Greek translation, it says two spirits. The spirit of the world and the spirit of God. And so there's constantly these two things at war in our minds. And so our goal today is that we don't want to be double-minded. We have to make a decision. Whose side are you leaning on? So those who are in key church, you know the song, Whose side are you leaning on? Leaning on the Lord's side. And so we want to lean on the Lord's side today. Let's not be in the middle. Sometimes an indecision is a decision in itself. When you say, I sit on the fence, Lord, I want both. You know, in, in Chinese, they have proverbs, uh, we, are, we don't accept that, right, in our relationships. Wow, but sometimes we do that also, eh, in our relationship with God. We, both legs, one in, in, in the kingdom, one leg in the world. And when will we make up our minds? And that's why we are frustrated, why we don't get uh, victorious, why we don't have transformation. And we see in, in the book of Daniel that, that how the world works, how the world operates in Daniel 1 verse 4. Select only the strong, healthy and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. And he says, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. See, Babylon was a symbol of the world system. And so it is today. We are being educated and trained daily in the language and literature of the 21st century. See, there are two forces that want us to think like them. Thus, when we switch from top pattern to other top pattern, we become double-minded. One moment we say we trust God on Sunday. Then tomorrow when we go back to work, we're like, wow, sienna, wow, jiala, wow, I think... I don't think I can do... God, I don't think I can, can fulfill what I promised to do yesterday in service because my work very busy. I hope you understand. And we are double-minded. And when we are double-minded, we do not receive from God, even if we pray and fast. Okay? And, and the world today has evolved. You know, I, I was actually... I don't know if you remember this sermon. Actually, pastor preached it in 2008. I was pulling up the old recording and it was like in Chinatown Point, you know, and 
I realised then and now, wow, so many things have changed. You know, last time don't have Netflix. Last time I really got YouTube, but don't have Netflix. And I realised, wow, the temptations we have now are so much greater. The world is advancing eh, in a way to train us and indoctrinate us with their language and literature. At the fingertips, you stream, you can keep, I can binge watch a series within a night. Last time I cannot do that. And the world has done it, they have adapted. But what have we done? What have I done? I start to ask myself the question, what have I done to also advance and improve in that aspect to allow the Word of God to train me? Or have I fallen short of it? And so, if we want to deal with this double-mindedness, what do we do? We need to put on the mind of Christ. See, when we think like Christ, that is the way we will know that we put on the mind of Christ. You don't just come to someone and say, hey, Elvin, I got the mind of Christ today. Why? Oh, because I come to church. No. You put on the mind of Christ when you begin to think like Him. And the only way you think like Christ is when you study the Word of God. Okay, I repeat that again. It's very simple. The only way you can think like Christ is when you study the Word of God. And so, how then do we access His mind? His mind is not this abstract thing that is like in the universe, you know, sometimes you watch the Marvel, right? Wow, what is this mind that suddenly appear? You know, what uni mind, you know, those who watch Eternals. No, no, that's not how God works, okay? <clears throat> the way we access God's mind or His thoughts is through His Word. That's so simple. All of us have Bibles today. In your app, your phone, you've got many Bibles, in fact. And with, it's all right at our fingertips to get a hold of his thoughts. Someone once called the Bible God's diary. You see, God reveals his thoughts to us through his word. Amen. And so in order to access his mind, we've got to spend time in the word. You know, unfortunately, once again, like back to the way the world works, the world has done such a fabulous job that now we don't even want to read. We don't even want to watch a long video anymore. The generation that, you know, uh, the Gen Z generation, they don't even, sometimes find YouTube is too long. They want to watch, uh, what they call that, they come out with what is what, TikTok. They come out with uh, uh, YouTube shots. They call it YouTube shots. That they have to capture the content in a very short, duration, like in a few seconds, you have to capture my attention. If not, I'm going to skip and watch something else. And if we have that mentality and come to the Word of God, that's going to be a problem because we're not going to get a hold of His thoughts. The way we get a hold of God's mind is we've got to spend time in it. Unfortunately, the Word of God don't have like, play one video, 10 seconds, and suddenly, oh, wow, oh, I know God's mind. And so, we are faced with a serious challenge in this 21st century. In Hosea 4.6, he says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And this was thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. And what more now? We are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We are destroyed by what we do not know in the Word of God. To think like God is to think like the Word of God. Which means we need to spend time learning the Word of God. You see, how does the world help us become like it? when we keep exposing ourselves to it. 
how do our philosophies about life, about relationships get altered to look like the world? Suddenly it's like, oh, I want this. I want uh, a girl that looks like that. I want a life, I want a career that looks like that, that pays me like that, so that I can have a family that looks like that, so I can have a house that looks like that. It didn't just come out of the blue. Something shaped our perception so that we want those things. And how? When we are constantly exposed. You see, reading the word takes longer. Why? Because you have to read. It's not a moving motion picture. (laughs) Now we watch 4K uh, video, right? It's like, don't know how many frames per second. It's way faster than reading. No wonder we are so influenced by the world. Okay, and I'm talking to myself, okay? (laughs) We are so influenced by the world because we are constantly exposed. That day I was talking to my parents because we are trying to, you know, uh, navigate through Micah's uh, toddler stage. And we noticed that every time he gets to watch the screen, it's so bad for him. He ends up becoming very bratty. You know, it's like a drug. That day, to keep him quiet, you put him in front of the computer to watch Baby Shark. Amazing, it works wonders. It's like a drug. He just sit there like a good few minutes, like 10 minutes. Then I look, I scared. Yeah. I'm like, it's so good, but yet I know it's so bad for him. And, the, and this baby is only, what, one, one year old plus. Imagine when he grows up and he continues like that. I don't want him to be like that. Why? Because he's going to grow up to be at a point that when he comes to the Word of God, he'll be like, Dad, uh, don't, don't touch me about the Bible. I want to watch video. Why? Because they have been shaped. The world is very smart. They're going to indoctrinate. They're going to shape the way they learn sometimes. They're shaping our younger generation in the way they learn. You know, I agree that we, our methods can change, but the message cannot. But if the, if the world and the enemy has a foothold, if they have an advantage in the way they influence our children, what are we going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? It means it takes more effort. Because it takes more effort for me to take Micah and, and, uh, and keep him occupied, whether it's reading, whether it's playing with him. It's so much easier to put him in front of the computer and just play the video while I can do my own thing. And it's a challenge. And I acknowledge it. It's not easy. And that's why we need God to help us. Amen. Amen. So in order to listen and recognize whose voice we are hearing, whose voice it belongs to, you and I got to study the Word of God. We have got to be exposed to the Word of God. Here's an illustration to help us understand better about determining what is the real voice of God and what is not. See, Bank tellers or money changers, they learn how to tell real from counterfeit money. You probably have heard this illustration before. Okay? So, but I learned something very interesting. Okay? See, they are trained with what the real currency is. There is a quote about counterfeit detection that I read about. It says, federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeit. They study the genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. They master every micro detail, you know, how you touch, you feel, they put it under the light, then you say, oh, Yusuf Ishak can see the face, you know. They spot, why, can you see the little thing, the word, what's the word there? They learn every single detail. They master what the genuine one looks like to a point when they pick up a counterfeit one and say, hey, something is off. They know that it is counterfeit. They know that is fake. And maybe you say, hey, but I don't use notes now, eh? Even more so scary. Now we all know recently with all the online scam, right? 
that even the bank also can deal scam, right? Yeah. Why? We get the SMS, eh, OCBC text me. Oh, it should be real, right? Because the message is in the actual OCBC chat. And so we click on it. Why? Because it seems real. It seems that authentic. It's even harder now, right? We cannot feel the, the note. Right? How do I know? And what do we do? We are trained. And we go to our, I go to my parents, I say, hey, ma, pa, make sure uh, you get any message, please don't anyhow press. Anything you don't know, call the bank. Don't anyhow press. And what do we do? We are training, retraining ourselves that even with the online digital things, we are learning how to determine what is real and what is counterfeit. And likewise for us as Christians, what may work 10 years ago, oh yeah, I, I learned to deal with those thoughts. But the, sometimes the, the battles we face today are so different. And we have to constantly be open to allow God to train us, to retrain us. And the beautiful part of the Word of God is this, is timeless. That the principles of God stand true irregardless of the time and era we are in. And so, but what are we going to do? Some people say, hey, Charles, why you preach the same message? Why pastor asks us to listen to the fivefold agenda of God again? We hear before already, but precisely because things have changed. After how many years? 2008. How many years is this? 14 years later, things have changed so much. And if we still live in the past and don't retrain and get up to date, we're going to lose the battle. Because the devil is very smart. He won't come to you like an like a evil, like red monster with horns. Eh. He will come in so subtly. In, in every season of my life, what used to work for me as a single, when I'm a parent now, I realize, eh, how come suddenly I, I feel like I'm slowly moving away from God? Why? Because I suddenly allow certain things to, the, the enemy to put certain thoughts, eh, you got a big child now, lah. Chill la. Don't need to be so on fire la. Let the young people do it. And those are deceptive. Every season of our life as we go through, we have to allow the Word of God to retrain us, to fortify our minds so that the enemy cannot have a foothold. See, we have to be so well-versed with the Word of God that the more we know about God's character, the more we know about His ways, the more we know about His words, the greater the contrast will be between truth and error. That when you know God so well and someone says something about God, be like, eh, doesn't sound right. For example, when I know Elvin and Kiran so well, when someone says, eh, you know, uh, wow, Kiran, uh, is very lazy. Eh. You know, wow. I'll be like, cannot be. He's so hardworking. I know him so well, whatever you're saying is not right. He surely have a good reason. He went to get, uh, he's not feeling well. And likewise, we've got some people like to throw accusations at us or the world or situations to, you know, come into our minds and we're like, wow, oh, look, you're suffering, you're sick and God never healed you. And you start to have all these accusations that come to your mind. But when you know God so well, you'll be like, eh, no, it doesn't sound like Jesus to me. You will know what is real and what is unreal. And you see, the devil will try to disguise himself to be like God. And in fact, that's what Lucifer wanted to be. He didn't want to be an evil thing. He just wanted to be like God. And that was his greatest downfall. And up to this day, that's what he still wants to be. He wants to be like God. And so he will come like sheep in wolf's clothing. And so if we want to ensure that we don't get scammed by the enemy, if we don't want to get scammed by the devil, what do we do? we expose ourselves more to the Word of God 
So what does this mean for you and I? I don't know. It may look different for you and me. Some of us, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, when I was watching the video pastor preaching, I love it. You know, he's, what he, he believed in that, he still believes in today. He was encouraging us in 2018. We're going to set up study groups in the foyer after service to do our living logos. I was like, wow, I miss those days. I really miss those days. I still remember, I still have that edge in my mind. We will all sit down after lunch, we would gather outside Chinatown and we would just do living logos. It was so enjoyable. It wasn't a chore. Why? Because everyone do together. And I miss it. And I realized for me, it's scarier, it's harder now. Why? Because I finished already. What? I finished my living. In fact, that was the year where I started doing my living logos and I completed it during my poly days. Thank God. But then now, how? Am I just going to, uh, no more living logos, finish already? And that's a greater challenge for me. But for those who have not finished their living logos, I, I, I challenge you, I encourage you, do it. If we need to set up study groups in our small groups, do it. Let's do that. As simple as that. So that we can expose ourselves to the Word of God. Whether it's listening to Christian podcasts, whether it's listening to more sermons, whether it's um, Bible reading plans. I don't know what works for you, whether it's Christian books. Or some of us, you say, I finished living logos already. Then start on your UTB reading list. You know, we recently started on this training series with the small groups about revitalizing home Bible studies. Don't wait till... You get a student, then you learn to study how to teach UTB. You know, some of us, we share that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with the notes. Then let's do something about it. Why? Because we're exposing ourselves to the Word. There's a UTB reading list of the different books. After living locals, let's read Wonders of God, New Birth, whatever it is, let's finish it. Why? It's not just so I can check off the box so that my leader don't come after me or so that pastor don't come after me. No, it's so that we get exposed to the authentic And an interesting thing about this whole idea about these uh, professionals, experts, how they get trained to tell counterfeit. Okay? So a community banker turned security trainer said in an article, banks must start by teaching new employees the specific details of texture, watermarks, microprinting and colour shifting in on all the denominations of the currency. And what stood out to me was this. He goes on to say, the most important time to teach someone about counterfeit currency is in the first 90 days when they get on the job. When the teller or frontline person is touching or dealing with cash. Why? Because they are fresh. They are impressionable. So when they begin to learn oh, all these details, it gets embedded and rooted in them. So when they begin to pull out of uh, counterfeit, they know immediately that's not the real deal. And so I thought this was so interesting because I think we can apply that principle too. That we don't want to wait till we are faced with counterfeit voices. Till you are faced with a difficult situation where your, your mind really wow, cannot handle it. And then we try trying to, God, God, where are you? Wow, which one is God? Then we go to our leader. Can you tell me what I need to do? Can you tell me, is this the job I should take? Is this the person I should get together with? How will we know we are not God? So don't wait till you have a major life decision before you start to want to learn how to discern God's voice. Start learning to know His word, His voice today. Start early. Start in this new year. Don't wait until June. Start, you know, maybe we just need the first 90 days of 2022 to start getting exposed to the real thing, 
to the Word of God. Amen. So not only does God reveal His thoughts to us through His Word, He also reveals it to us through His Spirit. In Romans 8, 26-27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, not only do we need the Word of God, but we need His Spirit. God's Spirit lets us know the mind of God. God's Spirit is never in contradiction with His Word. See, we need both Spirit and truth. Amen. We must have the Word of God, but we must also have the Spirit of life that will quicken the Word of God. See, the Word of God is Logos, right? We know the, 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 the teaching about Logos is the written Word, is the final Word of God, His plan. But then there's this also thing called what? The Rhema Word of God, which is the now Word. The Word of God that is quickened for you now. There's, there are times you read the Scripture like, eh, hey, how come suddenly this speaks to me now? Why? Because the, word, the Spirit of God quickened that Word. When you are going through a difficult time, when you are worried, then you suddenly, Brother Alvin shared, Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, for I know the plans that I have towards you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And suddenly that Spirit of God quickened it. Wow, God, I was struggling this week. I had a hard time trusting you, but now your word has confirmed that you are for me. And so when the Spirit of God quickens the word of God, it becomes rhema. And when we receive rhema, suddenly we are refreshed. Suddenly we get a direction, what we need to do in our lives. See, when we read the word of God without the Spirit of God, we are open to misinterpret it also. See, when you read something, you have to read it with the Spirit of the author. See, many times nowadays we get misunderstood when we text people. And I'm talking to myself. There are many times people just text me, you know, now when you want to spell okay, got so many forms. Got okay, got O-K-I-E, got K, got O-K-A-Y. And I'm someone that loves to overread things. Not good, okay? When someone put a K, right, I'll be like, hmm, I think the person not happy. Or when my wife thought, put the word K, or when the, my wife answered the word O-R-H, or, hmm, doesn't sound right. And I start to, to overread, oh, is she upset? And I'm like, hey, you're not happy, is it? And actually, there's nothing, you know. And so when we read something, especially now in the texting era, there's a chance we misinterpret, there's a chance we misunderstand people. Sometimes an emoji also we send wrongly. Uh, there was one time, uh, my mom was very funny, you know, she's learning to use emojis. And my uh, relative's dog passed away. And so she wanted to show that she was sad. She sent the emoji with the tears, but then the mouth like laughing. She thought it was like she crying, right? But actually, you know, that one is you laugh until you cry. And I'm like, oh my word, mom, you gotta take it down. Then we apologize and she don't know how to use the emoji, you know? But if you know my mom, she will not, you know, mean it well, you lah. So once again, you know, when you read something, you have to know the spirit of the author, the person that wrote it. And when you don't know, you've got to clarify it. And likewise, when you read the Word of God, you have to understand the heartbeat of God so that you do not misinterpret what He's saying. And this is such an important thing that all of us as disciples have to learn how to discern what God is saying. Some we open the Bible and say, wow, I read the Bible, 
we can read the word without discerning what God is saying. And it's so important because sometimes the enemy will also use the word of God against you. We know this in the story when Jesus was fasting, he was in the wilderness for 40 days and the devil tempted him thrice and the devil used the word of God against him. And what did Jesus do? He didn't take it wholesale. He used the word of God back. Why? Because he knew the spirit of the author. Amen? And so, in order for us to be able to also battle the enemy, the thoughts of the enemy, we have to know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Okay, the Spirit of God will refresh us and quicken the Word in us. It will be able to disarm the lies, the deception, the temptations of the enemy. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. We can't keep praying and not know the word of God or else we'll pray stuff that is not scripturally sound. We can write beautiful songs, but they may not be scripturally sound. If you keep singing songs that are not scripturally sound, we are going to get that into our spirit and we're going to pray that instead. And that is why whenever you hear a teaching, whenever you hear a word, we have to always test it with the word and we have to test it with the spirit of God because not everything you hear sometimes being preached from wherever, you know, the, the internet is full of teachings. You don't just take it wholesale and say, oh, that's what the word of God say. You have to test it. You know, the Bible says you test what the, the when the prophet gives the word, you have to test it, right, to prove that that is right. But if we don't test it and we take it wholesale, we are going to be deceived. Amen? Why? Because the Spirit of God is a Spirit of truth. His Spirit will not contradict His Word. In verse John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a Spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Amen? See, God will never tell you something to, that is against His Word. He'll never ask you to, re, to be rebellious, whether it's with your authorities. Sometimes we say, hey, what? But, uh, my authority asked me to do something that is, I, I don't agree with, eh? that is not according to the word of God. Yes. And we learn it, why? Through what? Through the scriptures, through examples. That there are times when authorities tell us to do what is not right according to the word of God. What do we do? We still respond with submission. We still respond with respect. Just like Daniel, we, we heard about Daniel, Right? that the, the Babylon was trying to indoctrinate him with stuff. But when Nebuchadnezzar asked him to bow before the idol, he didn't. But he didn't start a mutiny in Babylon. <laughs> if he did, maybe Israel will never come back out and rebuild. But he went with respect. And when he was persecuted, God protected him. Amen. And that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to be able to discern the word and his spirit. And, and, and that's how we discern His voice. Amen? And so why then do we need the mind of God? Why do we need His mind? Is it just so that, you know, um, I have a good stronghold? There are benefits to it. Because, and number one, if our mind is on God, we can trust Him and have peace. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, you will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. If our minds are not on God, what will happen? We will not trust. 
and we will end up fearful. And when we are fearful, our hearts cannot discern, our hearts cannot interpret, and we start making decisions out of fear. When you see things from God's perspective, you can find peace in your storm. There are times when I struggle with fear, I'm so scared about this and that, and then I have to tell myself, calm down, stop, Charles, for a moment. Could it be I haven't spent time in the Word? And I realise this, you know, like when I slack off in my time in the Word, I realise my thought patterns get a bit messed up. And I realise, you know what? I think it's time I need to go back and renew my mind. It's time to recalibrate my frequency. Why? So that I can hear what the Word of God is saying, what God is saying to me. That even in the midst of a situation, in the midst of a bad situation, that God will say, trust me. Only believe. Do not be afraid. And you see, when we still ourselves and keep our eyes and our mind stayed on Him, then we will be able to have assurance on His promises. See, there are times, you know, you, you know, some of us, you memorize the promise of God at the back of your head. You can quote it. Wow. Oh yeah, this is what the Bible says. But you actually don't believe it. You can say, quote all the promises of God. Oh, do not worry. He, he clothed all the, the sparrows, the lilies of the valley. Wow. You know, we can even sing the song, Jaira. Wow, so nice. We sing it. We, we, we can say it. We can quote it. But our hearts don't actually believe it. Why? Because our hearts are clouded. You know, and that's where we got to keep our mind stayed on Him so that when our mind is cleared out, when our mind is emptied out, then His Word can go in, can take root. You see, when we begin to set our minds on Christ, when we go through a valley, when we go through a, a storm, what others may see as a threat, wow, you are in this bad situation, you should do something about it, you should faster go and uh, find a solution. When what others see as a threat, you see it as opportunity for God's power to manifest. And sometimes when I think about it, wow, why am I experiencing this bad thing? Why am I experiencing this sickness? Many times I was like, wow, Chala, gonna die. Or am I gonna think on the ways of God that say, you know what, could it be this is an opportunity for me to, to trust God? This is an opportunity for me to experience God's goodness in my life. And so that is why we need His mind so that we can trust Him and have peace. Amen. Another thing why we need it is because we must think like God to receive His revelation. We must think like God because God wants to reveal something to us in the Spirit. How many of us are constantly wanting to know God's direction for your life? Right? Whether is it time for me to change my job? Whether is it time for me to move on with the next phase of my life? Whether it's time for me to buy a house, <clears throat> big decisions, or whether small things, should I go to this thing? Should I go to this event? Whether the big or the small thing, we always want God's direction. And so in order for us to receive His direction, we need to think like Him. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. What is he trying to say? When we think in our carnal mind, when we operate in our natural man, we won't be able to understand the ways of God. We won't understand the spirit, the, 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 the things of God. Right? See, God is not wanting to just give us commandments. Oh, here's the rules. Do it. He wants us to pull, he wants to pull us into his mind. Why? So that we will understand His principles, we understand His ways. 
so that more than just seeing it as a bunch of rules, we begin to know Him. That when I tell my son, Micah, you cannot do this. You don't throw this. It's very rude. You don't throw things in a toilet bowl. You don't go and open the dustbin and take up all these things. And then when I discipline him, he cry. I want him to grow up so that he don't just know the rules of I am not supposed to open the dustbin. I am not supposed to throw this. I am not supposed to do that. Why? Then when he's put in a different situation, he don't know how to adapt. He's like dead one. I only follow the what mom and dad say here, 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 here. But I want him to understand the principles of being what? Being polite. To understand the principle of the importance of being hygienic. Right? That he don't go out every day, put his hand in the toilet bowl, you know, take stuff out. Why? I'm trying to teach him to lead him to be something, to be someone. And when I discipline him, that he will know it's not because he broke the rule, but because daddy cares for him, daddy loves him. And that is the way of God. He don't want to just give you the word of God, say, ah, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. He wants you to know his ways. Why? Because sometimes we're going to put in situations that we say, eh, but the Bible never say I cannot smoke, eh? Bible never say thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. Then we, don't, we miss the point because we don't have his mind. But when you have the mind of Christ, irregardless of what situation you are in, irregardless of where you are placed, you know his ways and you will begin to think, if God was in this situation, if Jesus was in this situation, what will he do? That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. That's what it means when we begin to think like him, we'll begin to have this revelation. So then when you are put in a situation, should I take this job? Should I be with this person? You already have the mind of Christ, what? You don't need to say, God, if it's your will, let, uh, uh, let my blanket be wet in the morning. You know, we try to fleece God, right? We think, oh, the Bible says, what? Gideon fleece God, what? Then we say, oh, I also do that. But that's not, that only happens once in the world, eh? <laughs> And so we got to understand the God's ways so that when we get into a situation, we don't ask God for a sign. Because why if the sign don't come? What if the sign come but actually it's not from God? Right? And so we got to know and think like Him. You see, so what does the natural man represent? The natural man represents the mind of the devil or the carnal nature. In Romans 8, chapter 6, chapter 8, verse 6, Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises of all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But, the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forevermore. How many of you want that? Life and soul peace, both now and forevermore. I want that. I want to have that every day of my life. And if I want to have that, I have to have the mind of the Spirit. See, the mind of the flesh or the mind of the devil is intellect and reasoning and emotions that is not influenced and controlled by the Spirit of God or the Word of God. That is how the enemy will operate. That's how our minds will default to. The mind of the flesh tells us you strive to be in control. You are in charge. You determine how you want your life to be. You take the wheel. You, you build up your path. You be the self-made man. You believe in yourself. That's what the mind of the flesh does. What, is the, what the mind of the flesh says. But the mind of the spirit says otherwise. He says God is in control. That is counterculture that's completely opposite to what the world believes in the mind of the spirit does not know how to worry why 
because the Spirit of God is in control. So when I start to worry, I have to tell myself, Charles, is this the mind of the Spirit or is this the mind of the flesh? It's okay, like what Pastor said, it's okay to be concerned, but don't be worrisome. Don't be fearful because that is not operating in the mind of the Spirit. In Acts 2, 11 to 13, Christians and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were um, all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. This was when the Holy Ghost first poured out in the books of Acts. And the people that do not know God, they didn't know the things of God, they said, wow, all these people drunk. Ah. But they were not. They were speaking in tongues. They were drunk with the Spirit. And so when we do not think like Christ, when we are not able to discern the things of God, suddenly when someone says, wow, why are you so radical? One? Now, I've been in that place before when I was not at the place where God wants me to be, when I'm far away and I back sleep. When I suddenly see my brother, wow, so radical on fire. Then I'm like, oh yeah, bo. Wow, are you sure or not? Why are you so into? Relax, Lee. And there was a point in my life I was like that. I was skeptical. I was critical when people were on fire. I started to question the things of God. I started to question, wow, why, why, why pastor asked us to do this? Why all these things? I started to be so suspicious. Why? Because I was not operating in the mind of the spirit. I was operating in the mind of the flesh. And there's another example. In 2 Samuel 6, verse 16, this was David when he dancing, you know, he was victorious. He danced, his clothes all dropped out. Okay, he wasn't naked, okay, he had a cloth inside, but it was likened unto nakedness. Okay, now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, uh, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before Lord, and she despised him in her heart. See, here you have two individuals of stark comparison. You have David, who was operating in the mind of the Spirit. He was just worshipping God because of the victory that he received. He didn't care about what people were thinking. His mind was who? On God. But here you have his wife. He says, oh, so a shameful. Why is this king of Israel acting like a commoner? She was operating what? In her carnal mind. She despised the things of God. She didn't understand. And as a result, she never was able to walk in all that God wanted her to do. And so what are we going to do? See, there are times when our carnal mind will tell us, wow, I'm very tired. Ah. Wow, it makes no sense for me to praise God today. I'm so sien. I don't want to stand up. I want to sit down and just, just suck. Oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to go and serve God. I don't want to, to go for church. I don't want to go for prayer meeting. You know, hey, actually no one will know. Like, I turn on the live stream but I'm sleeping. Uh, I just play only. Uh, they cannot tell me I never watch, right? And we have all these excuses and all these schemes in our head to just get away from it. And that's not you, you know. Could it be it's the enemy putting all these thoughts in your head? And your, your flesh is speaking. Your carnal flesh is telling you no need to be so radical. It's COVID-19. Wait till everything gets back to normal. Then you get back on fire. But what if it never does? But then the spiritual mind, the Word of God says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when I'm tired, I will lift my hands and praise Him and He will be my strength. Amen. So why don't for a moment right now, why don't we lift our hands and say, Father, Lord, we're so thankful, God, that Lord, even in the midst, oh God, of a difficult season of my life, God, even in the midst of this pandemic, God, Lord, sometimes 
There are so many reasons for me to not be here. There are so many reasons for me to cut back, God, in my commitment. There are so many reasons for me to cut back in my giving, God, because it's, it's difficult times, Lord. But Lord, I pray that today, God, Lord, let me not operate, God, in the spirit of the flesh. Let me not operate in the mind of the flesh of the carnal man, God. But Lord, I pray today, God, that you will help me know your mind. Help me, God, put on the mind of the spirit today, God. That, Father, we want to walk, oh God, in the spirit, God. That, Lord, we want to have the mind of Christ today. God, that we will not, oh God, yield to our flesh, but we will yield to our spirit. And so, Father, we lift up our praise, God. We lift up our adoration. We lift up our commitment. We lift up our attention and we give it to you today, God, in the name of Jesus. Church, why don't we lift up a clap of praise to Him? Why don't you lift it up, even though it is a sacrifice of praise? Amen. Amen. You see, there are times when we are faced with a bad report in life. And in, in this season, we are faced with bad report almost every week. One moment, good. One moment, number increase. One moment, can travel. One moment, cannot travel. One moment, need to swap. One moment, need to, don't need to swap. One moment, need to quarantine. One moment, don't. So it's like so much confusion. What do we believe in? And there was a situation in the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31 to 32. There were the 12 spies that were sent out to spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land. And it reads, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave up the children of Israel a bad report. In the King James, it says, An evil report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. You see, the 10 spies, the 12 spies, 10 came back with an evil report. They said they were giants. They said that, oh, we are like grasshoppers. We sure gonna crush one compared to our enemies. See, the 10 spies operated in their carnal mind. They operated in the mind of the flesh. And only two came back, Joshua and Caleb, came back with the mind of the spirit. They said, let's go in and possess the land. But unfortunately, the majority won. And they didn't. They believed and accepted. You see, it's one thing to hear a bad report and another thing to accept it that, oh, I'm going to believe in that. See, the children of Israel accepted and believed in the, the bad report. And as a result, what happened? They never saw the promised land. They, 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 they wandered another 40 years in the wilderness and all of them died not seeing the promise except the two spies which came back and hang on to that good report. You see, could it be sometimes why we say that, wow, God, why I never walk in my, the promises? Why I never experience your promise come to pass? Why I never experience your provision? Everyone always tell me about the testimony about Jehovah Jireh. But I never experience, eh? I never experienced God as my healer. Why? Could it be we have received the bad report and we've stayed with that? And as a result of our stubbornness and our refusal to put on the mind of Christ, we miss the promises. We miss entering into the fullness that God has promised and has prepared for you and I. You see, we either worship or we whine. You can't do both at the same time. It's either you believe or you don't believe. You cannot be double-minded. You see, it did not make sense for Joshua and the army to march around Jericho for six to seven days. 
They did not make a sound until the last day, but they were told to shout and praise and blast the music, and the walls came crashing down. See, there are times where God will tell you to do something. There are times God will call you to something. There are times God will call you, and maybe some of you, God is calling you. I don't know to what. To give of yourself, to commit yourself to more of Him. And when God gives us a call, many times there's that 10 spies that will come in and say, hey, don't, uh, don't go there. You will get destroyed. Our carnal mind will kick in and give us a bad report. It will tell us, it doesn't make sense. Especially in the times we are living in, society will tell you to keep for yourself, protect yourself, guard your heart, protect it, don't let anyone hurt you, build up those walls, secure your bank account, fix your time, lock in your schedules, don't let anyone mess it up. Why? Because we want to protect and preserve what we have, ourselves, our families. But what is God calling you to? That's the most important question. Where is God calling you to go to? And there are times where you, you're going to make a decision. Are you going to be like David or are you going to be like Michal? Are you going to give yourself recklessly to God or are you going to stand by the wayside and be a spectator and despise the things of God? See, we cannot please everyone and don't try to please everyone. See, when you please God, you please all that really matter. We cannot use the natural reasoning of the world to comprehend the things of God. There are many things that we do not understand about the things of God because we are seeing it from a natural and logical standpoint rather than faith in God's Word. Another reason why we need the mind of Christ is so that when we must think like God to walk with Him. Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? In Genesis 3.8, in the story of the Garden of Eden, and they heard the voice of God, the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees. See, when you are not in agreement, when you are not in line with the mind of God, with the word of God, chances are you will hide from the presence because you are not in agreement. But God is not telling you, God is not here today to push you away. God didn't tell Adam, Eve, go and hide. I don't want to see you. Instead, he asked, where are you? And so instead of us hiding today from God, let us come to God and say, God, here I am. I'm not where I need to be. I don't think like you. I think like the world. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even feel like coming here today. I don't even feel like hearing the word of God. But I acknowledge I need help. Search me. Know if there's any wicked way within me. So are we walking with the voice of God today? To walk with God is to know His voice and to follow it. And so that is why we need the mind of Christ. And so to close today, what is our response then? If we know that both God and Satan wants us to think like them, what is our response? If I say, yes, I want to think like God. I want to think the thoughts that God has towards me. I want to think like how Jesus would think. What is my response? I don't just automatically flip a switch and say God mode and I start to think like God. I wish it's as simple as that, but unfortunately, no. And so what is our response today? Very simple. The first thing we have to do is this. Knowing all this, we must choose between having the mind of the flesh or the mind of the spirit. We cannot be double-minded. We cannot say, I want both. No, you can only choose one. Don't take ownership of the thoughts the devil puts in your mind. See, we read in Corinthians just now, 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to learn to bring every thought into captivity against the Word. We compare it to the Word. Oh, this is God. I accept it. This is not God. I reject it. See, many people do not know His Word or spend time fellowshipping with His Spirit. That's why we have a hard time discerning is this God or not. And as a result, we are destroyed because we do not know His Word. So we need to learn, we need to spend time. And sometimes you may say, oh, I don't have time. The truth is, you know, we've heard this statement, if you are too busy to pray or you're too busy to study the Word, means there are some things you are, shouldn't be busy about because if it's priority, you will make time for it. Okay, and so, what does that mean? Sometimes, some of us, you tell me, wow, very hard, eh? I don't know how to do it. Like yesterday, I was trying to train my car to sit in his pram. He hates to sit in his pram. I told him, I let you sit 10 minutes, then I'll carry you. The moment I put him, he cried. Sometimes, that's us. God said, I want to teach you to, to tarry in the spirit. I want to teach you to study the word, to pray. The moment we go in the prayer room, oh, yeah, in Jesus' name, after 10 seconds, we walk out. I feel like I'm like Micah, struggling. Ah. I say, Micah, after 10 minutes, I will take you out, okay? And so I give him 50% discount. He sat for five minutes, but the five minutes, he's crying. But it's okay. At least we will make progress. In the same way, sometimes you may say, wow, I cannot do 30 minutes, eh. but start somewhere. Give yourself something you can work with, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 10 minutes in the Word, and then uh, 10 minutes in prayer. I like to start in the Word. Why? Because it gets my mind cleared out. You know, and pastor also talk about spending time praying in the spirit. Why? Because when you pray in the spirit, you're shutting off your carnal mind. You pray until your mind stops thinking. And then when you start praying, you'll know what the Lord wants you to pray about. And so you give yourself steps, baby steps that you can take. Because if you don't take those baby steps, chances are by the end of 2022, you'll be at the same place. Right? And so we need to get exposed to what? The authentic currency. We've got to keep feeling the details of what the real thing looks like. Why? So that the moment a voice that is counterfeit comes in, you know, God, that is not you. And so one of the ways we can do that is to train our minds, putting it on the Word of God in Philippians 4, 8 to 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, and that is one final thing for us today, okay? Almost done. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. You see, when we start each day, tomorrow when you get up, how you start the day establishes the pattern of your day. Chances are when you start on a bad note with a bad report, you will follow suit the whole day. It's just bad. But when you start the day with the report of the Lord, with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, with the peace of God, the, the Spirit of truth, chances are when you get to the end of the day, oh, still got battery. Tomorrow morning, uh, charge again. Right? And that's what we can do. Begin that. Start the day in His presence. Start the day in His Word with His thoughts. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, though, so then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
See, sometimes we want to have faith and it doesn't come by default. We got to hear the word. Just like what we are doing today, when you are here to hear the word, there is faith that is stirred up. But then we don't end there. Okay, the last thing that we have today, lastly, pray and ask God's Spirit to help you apply the word. That's what we started the service with, that we want to mix the word of God with faith. Why? So that it profits us. So if we want today's word to profit us, we have to apply it. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We don't want to just have head knowledge of the word. In 2 Corinthians verse 3 to 6, and as we read this scripture, why don't we stand and we're going to close. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. See, we can know a lot about the word. We can have a lot of theory about the word. But what God's desire for us is not just to know about the word, but it's to know him. It's to know his ways. It's to know his character. See, when we memorize scripture, that's great. It's a good start. We get it into our mind. But then we need the spirit of God to help us apply these scriptures so that it will move what? From paper into our hearts. See, God's word must move from the paper into our hearts. It has to move from the letter into our spirits. Why? Because ultimately, where does true change take place? In our hearts. He wants to write the tablets, not on the tablets of stone anymore. He wants to write the laws of God and commandments of God on our hearts. It means that God wants us to live, to be that living epistle. See, that means we've got to be both hearers and doers of the word. When we hear the word and do not do it, the scripture says that we are open to be deceived and we do not want to be deceived. And so as we respond to the Lord today, why don't we begin of all hands lifted? If it is your desire today that you say, Lord, I want to think like you, I want to be like you, I want to choose your agenda for me and not the enemy's agenda, why don't in wherever you are standing here, whether you are here, whether you're in your homes, why don't with all hands lifted, all eyes closed, don't, don't worry about the person next to you and let's begin to make a decision. We've got to choose. Let it, let you, that you will make a decision today. Are you going to choose the mind of the spirit or the mind of the flesh? In the name of Jesus, Father, Lord, we once again, God, as we are here today, God, Lord, I don't want to be double-minded, tossed to and fro, God, with every wind of doctrine. I don't want to be double-minded today, God, serving two masters, God. Lord, I cannot stand one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, God. But Father, today, God, I have to choose, God. I have to first make a decision, God, what am I going to lean towards, God? And Lord, today I choose, God, to yield myself, Lord, to the mind of the Spirit. God. I choose to yield myself to you, God, to your word today, God. Lord, I choose, God, to have the mind of Christ, God. Lord, because if I don't have your mind, God, then the enemy will have a stronghold in me. Then the enemy will have a foothold in my mind, God. Then the enemy will win the battle, God, for my soul, God. But Lord, I want my soul, God, to belong to you, God, because you are the lover of my soul, God. You want the best for me, oh God. And so, Father, today, God, I want to choose you, God. Father, Lord, as we are hearing your word today, God, 
Your word, oh God, has power, God. Your truth, God, has the power, God, to set us free, God, from every lie, God, from every chain, God, from every uh, bondage, oh God. And Father, I pray today, God, let us receive your word, oh God, with gladness, God. Let us receive your truth with gladness, God. Let me respond, oh God, to this word today, God, with faith, oh God. Just as we have heard your word, oh God, faith comes by hearing and hearing of your word, God. But Lord, I want to mix it in, oh God, with some action, God. I want to mix it in, oh God, with some commitment today, God. And so if it's your desire to commit yourself to the Lord one more time this year, as we are able to start the, the year right, why don't you begin to make that decision? Why don't you begin to make that commitment to the Lord this morning? Father, I want, oh God, to, to you, oh God, to shape me, God, this year, God. I want you, God, to be the one that will change me, God. I want you to be the one that will transform me, Lord, in this year 2022, God. And let it begin today in my mind, God. Lord, you have already given me a clean heart, God. You have already forgiven me, God. You have already given me a clean slate, God. And Lord, today, God, I pray you will teach me what it means, God, to renew my mind, oh God, to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, Lord. Lord, I commit, Lord, my heart to you, God. I yield my mind to you, God. Lord, that I will give room to it, God. Lord, it may not be, be natural, God. It, not, it may not be something my flesh likes, God, but I pray that you will help me find, God, your will. Help me find, oh God, your word, oh God. Let me get exposed, God, to your word, oh God, today, God. Let me get exposed to your word tomorrow, God, when I get up in the day, God. Lord, let me spend some moments, God, to expose myself, God, with the real thing, God. Help me begin to replace, oh God, my diet. Help me begin to replace, oh God, why I allow to influence me, God. In the name of Jesus, God, help me, God, put into action. Help me put some baby steps, oh God, into the word that we have heard today, God. In the name of Jesus, God, I want to expose myself to your word because Lord I want to know you God I want to know your thoughts God that you have towards me I want to know your ways I want to know you in a greater way this year God Lord for some of us God the last time we got a revelation God was 10 years ago God was many years ago but Lord I cannot live in my past victories God I cannot live in my past experience I cannot live in my past uh, more, uh, moments oh God my past oh God successes God I have to live in today God I have to retrain my mind God, to deal with the, the new God lies that the world may throw at me, God, in the new season that I'm in, God. So in the name of Jesus, Father, Lord, we yield ourselves. Lord, I surrender myself to you, God. That, Lord, I will allow you, God, I will allow your word, God, to retrain me, Lord, in this season of my life, God, in this year 2022, God. Have your way, God. And, Lord, let your spirit within me let your spirit in me quicken it, Lord. So church, why don't for a few moments, why don't you lift up your voice? Why don't you pray in the spirit for a moment and allow the spirit of God to quicken in you what you need to do, what God wants you to do after today. Oh, 
Father, I yield myself to your spirit, God. That, Lord, I need, Lord, your spirit to guide me, God. I need your spirit to quicken the word that when I open up the word of God, that, Lord, it will not, it's not meant to be dead, dull, and boring, God. But, Lord, as your spirit quickens the word, God, let it quicken and bring the word, Lord, from paper into my heart, God. That you'll begin to write your word upon my heart, Lord, every day, every morning, God. That you'll begin to write upon my heart, your words, God. Let the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, God. In the name of Jesus, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for what you are doing, God, in our lives. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in our midst, God. In the name of Jesus, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone say, Amen. Amen. I want us to continue to pray as we close. You know, I know that some of us may still have visitations, you know, with our loved ones. And I want to continue to pray. I know that some of us may have, you know, uh, certain contacts that came up, some opportunities that came up during this time that we are able to, you know, witness to a friend. And I want us to pray. I think the purpose of all these things about knowing the mind of Christ, about knowing the Word, about being a living epistle, it's not so that we will be some holy person. It's so that at the end of the day, when someone comes along our way that does not know God, that that person is in a situation that they don't know what to do and they turn to you, that you will be that living epistle, that I will be that living epistle that they will see because they are not going to pick up the Bible and say what the Word of God says. But could it be the only Word of God they will ever experience is in you, is in me. And so when they come to contact with us, that they will be drawn to want to know more about God, that they will be open to what God wants for them. Father, once again, Lord, I thank you for this Chinese New Year. Lord, I thank you that not only were we able to be blessed, God, by all the celebration, all the angpaos, God, but Lord, we want to pray, God, that you will help us, God, that as we have your mind, God, as we are led by your Spirit, God, as we, oh God, walk in the mind of the Spirit, as we become, Lord, the living epistles that you have called us to be, I pray, Father, that you will help us in, in the remaining weeks of celebration, any visitation or any time in our workplace, God, that we will be that living epistle, God, that when someone comes up to us and they rub shoulder with us and they, they are in need, God, for our word, they in need, God, for encouragement, we need for our prayer, I pray that we can manifest, God, your spirit in their real time, God, that we can manifest your word in their life, oh God, I pray that you will use us, God. Use us, let us be led by your Spirit, that the words that come out of our mouth will not be words of carnality, God, will not be words of intellect, God, but will be words of eternal life that will come from your word, They will come from our experiences, They will come from our relationship with you, God. So use us, God, use us as your vessels, use us as your mouthpiece, God, use us as the fruit, oh God, that someone can take a bite of, that they can know you, that they can be blessed, God, that they can taste and see, God, that you are good, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you're going to move, God. I pray for every open door that you give us wisdom to know what to do, the next step to take, God, to follow up, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will fill our homes, God, with your spirit. Fill our homes, God, with your presence, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Turn to someone and greet them in Jesus' name. Amen.